Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another great episode of Crushing Cashflow. With me today is a very special guest, a little bit of a background on Unicia. Unicia is a seasoned executive and business owner, accomplished financial consultant, mentor, and educator. She's on her own journey. She went from rebuilding financial independence from nearly nothing to over six figures in less than a year, a very short period of time, using the same methodology she works with her clients on. She's worked with hundreds of clients on their path to their own financial independence and wealth optimization, considers herself a wealth strategist. She also comes, for many listening can relate to this, with a wealth of corporate experience. She's worked with some of the biggest names, including Coca-Cola, American Express, Citibank, Uber, HP, Deloitte, which is my alum, by the way. And she's finally, she's a happy wife and proud mommy to two amazing children. I can relate to that. Big welcome to the show, Anusia. How are you? Thank you so much, Andrew. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So let's talk about your passion. What got you into doing this? Most would consider crunching numbers and wealth management a boring activity. Uh, what's your passion? Tell us about it. <laughs> it's a good question. And it's a loaded one too, for me, especially. I definitely want to hear more about your experiences at Deloitte. Yeah. Great, great place to be. Great company. Honestly, yes. a lot of people ask me, do you wish that you would have exited the corporate environment sooner? And I can tell you that between Deloitte and some of the other companies, top companies in the consulting field that I've worked with and for, I would not give one minute back because right. I honestly don't think that I could deliver the value that we deliver to our clients if it hadn't been for that experience. As far as my story is concerned, really, it started out like so many other business owners and entrepreneurs that have perhaps started their careers on the corporate side or working for somebody else and figuring out, looking at, okay, what will the future look like? And when that question started coming up on the financial side, what we realized was that our overall financial platform was anywhere but optimized. It was anything but optimized. We were in real estate, we were doing different things, but because we were dabbling in things that financial advisors weren't necessarily interested in knowing that we had, because it wasn't assets under management for them, what we realized was that we never really got the guidance, the kind of the holistic, the true strategy guidance that we needed to, even when I thought about exiting the corporate Mm -hmm. world, to have that peace of mind that, you know what, we're good, we're going to be okay. And so when I started looking at what the world of financial advisory looks like, I realized very quickly that a lot of individuals, a lot of clients are being sold into products. And it's not because the financial advisors are doing a malicious thing, but it's how the industry works. And so as a strategy consultant, I kind of went back to the drawing board and I said, okay, well, I don't want to sell clients any products. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to tell a client real estate is great, but with a caveat, right? I want to know that truly we can be that holistic financial partner to them. And more importantly, when they have those strategic questions, we don't wait for them to ask the strategic questions, but rather we're proactive. And so all of those aha moments really took me back to my strategy consulting expertise to be able to say, okay, what are the blind spots that clients have out there? They don't know that they exist. They're truly blind spots when it comes to how to grow wealth, how to minimize taxes, and how to keep themselves lower on the risk profile, right? Whether it be legal Mm -hmm. or otherwise, or financial. 
that's, it was a little bit of my ahas and it was a little bit of figuring out what it is that we needed to do on our end in order to get out of that bubble that we had been set in because of the way the financial services works as an industry. So you, you kind of made me think of something else as that, you know, it's important to listen and think about what the right question is to ask, right? Because I was going to ask you something else, but it comes back to like, what questions are you asking your clients to get to the core of what's important to them, right? Whether it's risk tolerance, like what are you first asking a new client to get that dialed in? Or well, maybe first, a couple of questions. We, yeah. No, it, that's a great question. So the way that we work with clients is very different. And the reason it's very different is because, you know, in a typical financial advisory setup is one where, you know, the idea is you won't be sold in the first meeting, but really you're kind of sold in the first meeting. Mm-hmm. So they gather yeah. information immediately in their head. They know exactly where they want to put you in. We work differently with our clients in a sense, we don't even really talk about solutions until probably several meetings in. And the reason we do that is because we take a very, very consultative approach. It's the client situation. It's their customized approach. Mm -hmm. And so going back to your question about what is it that we first gather out of them is we need to understand what is that they're truly. And I don't mean just going through a questionnaire and, you know, what would you like to do? Where do you see yourself in five years? But really working through with the client on their specific, unique situations so that they understand that it's a level playing field. Everything that we talk about is absolutely remains within the conversation. And at the same time, it's okay for them to not be vulnerable because nobody likes to really be vulnerable, but it's okay for them to embrace the fears, the challenges that they've had. Because what we find is that if clients embrace that because of our line of questioning and how we get to really understanding what are their goals and dreams for themselves, for their children, for their legacy, for their current or long-term wealth plans, then they open up a lot more. And sure, things may not happen, you know, at the click of a button. But what we are finding is that clients then have a much better relationship with money long-term to the point where they're no longer afraid. They're no longer kind of not wanting to look at their statements, not wanting to look at what's happening because it's too much, it's too cluttered they have the freedom and the liberty in their mind because they've gone through that process. So that's kind of where we start with every single client. That's an amazing process. And you go through, you start to learn more and more, you're building a partnership, right? And then what's your cadence look like? Maybe it can vary depending on the client, but what's your cadence for engagement? Are you asking follow questions on a weekly basis, monthly basis. I'm just curious, like what's an eye inside of uh, Indicia's head look like for the months coming with, with clients? That's a great question. So with most of our clients, it really ranges. We work, our consulting approach is going to range on a personal note. It's going to be around six months, six to seven months, typically. Business owners is going to be, so when I say business owners and executives, especially if we're dealing with half a million dollar and above in, in income, mm-hmm. there are a lot more critical strategies that we need to look at, which take a bigger army of people to corral more individuals to bring to the table, kind of really bringing together the client's financial team. Those will generally take about 10 to 12 months. What we're seeing and the reason we structured them that way is so that the client doesn't feel the pressure of, hey, I need to meet with Yenisi again next week. They have some homework. They have some things to, we have a program that they go through and they basically get to understand where they are. We want to make sure that we have a solid foundation Mm because most clients, what we're finding is they're top heavy at the top of the house. Well, if 
an earthquake happens to come through, right? Which we're yeah. kind of going through one of those now. What ends up happening, the foundation crumbles because the foundation is not solid. So we want our clients to have that solid foundation. We want them to go through some of the empowerment process, not on their own. It's very strategic and it's very methodically planned out for them so that they can consume it on their own time. And then we generally meet with our clients every other week or once a month basis, depending on what really resonates with them to get to those conclusions. Of course, they have access mm-hmm. to the team with questions if they have questions in between. But what we found is that cadence has worked just beautifully um, nice. for clients where they don't feel like, oh my God, Unicia is calling me again or emailing me again or anything like that. No, it makes a lot of sense. You got to tailor it to what, what works, right? How do you help a client overcome you know, adversity or a difficult time they've had in the past where they may lost a bunch of money on a type of investment? How do you get them past that and move, looking forward? And what's your process like for that? You know, it's funny because a lot of clients are asking us, well, based on the way that you work, Anissa, does that mean that your expectation is for us to leave behind our old team? And the answer is absolutely not. We will absolutely play in the sandbox. And that's the whole idea. We want the client's financial team to be sitting at the table to have the conversation. Sadly, though, what ends up happening is those so-called financial partners for the client, oftentimes they don't, they just cannot get out of their own way to say, hey, it's okay to play in the sandbox. As a matter of fact, it's better because it's going to deliver better results for the clients. The reason they don't want to do that is oftentimes it takes more time. They're not incentivized financially to do that. And so they'll have kind of a knee-jerk reaction. And so what happens when we work with clients in terms of just kind of the overall cadence from, you know, what should happen, for example, with their overall financial platform, it's never a you know, hey, you should consider this. It's always more of, okay, as we're looking at these things and we consider these questions, what comes up? And based on what comes up, oftentimes what we'll find, what we'll find out is that the clients are not really happy with their team or they're not happy with their team for specific reasons. And so what we do is we actually give those financial partners a chance to frankly redeem themselves Mm -hmm. by just pushing back some questions with the clients to say, okay, you know, go to your CPA and Let's ask these questions. And they're very strategic questions. They're not meant to be leading. They're meant to be focused on, hey, if your CPA hasn't provided you some out-of-the-box creative methodologies or approaches for how you can minimize your taxes legally and 100% by the tax code, then what good is it that that person just literally does your taxes? Right. And so right. we have a lot of individuals that will come over and will say, I really like my CPA. I love my CPA. And that's wonderful. Then they take the questions back and they go, we would prefer to keep the relationship over asking why it is that they're not pooning up any additional resources or any additional thoughts or strategies because that's not what they focus on. And so it just really depends. Well, like I said, we'll never ask the client to make harsh decisions. They get to that awareness themselves based on the ton of empowerment that they get from working with us. And then they get the confidence to say, hey, maybe I've outgrown the strategies that were in place until now. How can we take them to the next level? Yeah, there's a consistent theme through, I think, most of your responses. And just guys, you guys are all about partnering, which I think is really cool. And it's a lot same approach we take in our real estate thing. Speaking of real estate, and this is a big theme of the show. If you've listened to any of our prior episodes, you know that very well. What role does real estate play in your portfolio? How do you use it as a wealth building tool for your clients? Well, it's a huge component, right? And it really, really depends on the individual. Some love to know that they have some piece in a brick and mortar mm-hmm. kind of environment. Others don't. What we find is that if individuals are passionate about real estate, the actual hard asset matters a lot to them, whether mm-hmm. it's in whole or fractional ownership. And so what we do is we don't shy away from that. We, again, going back to identifying what is it that the client's trying to achieve. 
Based on that, what we then do is we triangulate collaborations and conversations, kind of as playing as that quarterback for them with some of our strategic partners, strategic partners that we know, like, and most importantly, trust, right? Because trust is huge. I don't want to see a client getting into a real estate deal, real estate being that one asset class where even if the market goes down, traditionally, you shouldn't be losing. But we've heard so many stories where people have lost because of poor management, bad management, you name it. And so what we then do is we kind of broker those relationships. We broker the conversations rather to make sure that the client gets into the types of investments and positions that they are passionate about, whether it be apartments, whether it be single family homes, whether it be, you know, who knows, uh, storage facilities. It's really important for people to know that they have options. And that's very, very critical for us to deliver for our clients. And you hit on a key point, which I want to emphasize is really establishing relationships with the people that you know, like, and trust being the most important piece. How are you finding the partners? Like, how are you going out and meeting them? And how are you screening and vetting sponsors and things like that on the real estate side? I'm curious. You know, it's a pretty stringent process. It's, you know, we look at it both from their prior performance standpoint, yeah. uh, their ability to deliver. It's then really our need to see that they can really put their money where their mouth is. Right now, we have a couple of strategic partners that have been amazing partners to us, but they've grown and it feels like as they're growing, they have more of a focus on, you know, how can we get people out there talking about us? And then we'll strap things together on the delivery side. Well, here's the deal. I am that quarterback, that ball getter, if you will, for my clients. And so when I see that the ball is getting ready to go in a direction that it shouldn't, we're going to catch and we're going to catch in a way where we'll give our strategic partners the leeway and the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. If somebody loses our trust, it's going to be hard to get it back, particularly because we don't want to put our clients in that situation. But because of that, we talk with a lot of companies, we talk with a lot of individuals, and frankly, we're being very selective with who we even ultimately end up introducing to clients. You know, it's funny you bring up the scaling and quality control aspect. Just literally two hours ago, I was fortunate to be a guest on somebody else's podcast. And we got on the topic of like, hey, what are your goals for next year? I'm like, this might surprise you, but I'm not going after thousands of units. Like everybody's mapping out their five-year plan. They've got this goal and I got to go bigger and bigger. And I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't even mind doing a couple of, we historically have done like two, 300 unit complexes. I'm like, I honestly wouldn't mind doing with a much smaller group some 20 and 50 unit deals next year. And he's like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, why not go bigger? I'm like, honestly, I have to look out where the best value is. And there's a lot less competition right now in this market, you know, in the Southeast, there's like the big guys aren't even looking at these. So it's my job to go find the best value for my investors and keep that quality control aspect. I don't want to farm out my investor conversations to six people. I want it to be me. And that means that I don't grow to 10,000 units. That's fine. I mean, there's plenty of money to be made and it's my job to have the, my investor's interest align with, but the same as my own money, right? So it came up earlier today. It's just an interesting theme. What you might find even more interesting is that literally just about an hour and a half ago, I had this exact same conversation nice. with my clients because we're dealing with just a ton of money. And his question was, what else you need? Yeah, like, okay, we talked about some very creative strategies and he said, what about real estate? I said, well, I thought you didn't want to talk about real estate. So we started talking about real estate and he said, okay, I'm open, but I want to retain control. I said, okay, well, are you willing to just go in it on your own, considering the fact that you don't know what you don't know about, especially multifamily housing, or would you much rather be more inclined to keep control, but be in a smaller pool? And he's like that, I like that. So it's not all on me. I said, bingo, that's where the value is. Again, you know, as you're going through, it's a matter of, in my mind, 
retaining that control, but also having fun yeah. with the partners that you work with, right? Because by the 100%. time you get to level six of people that are going to talk about this deal, everybody's like, so what's in it for me? And yes. it just creates a lot of, I'm all about incentives, creating the right incentives for people. Absolutely. Because as a nation, I think we're ill-incentivized on so many fronts that people are just, their question is, what's in it for me? And if we can just step outside of our own way and say, what's in it for the other person and how can we deliver value to them? Everything else comes. It's just beautiful how it happens. It just comes together, but it takes a really big person to be able to do that and to make that statement. A hundred percent. And it's funny. I just read a blog on this about two weeks ago about when it's a good fit to do the passive route versus being an active partner. And a lot of people who haven't done it before have high net worth individuals, they want the control factor, but they drastically underestimate the importance of the experience and how much of a time commitment it can be. And I can tell you firsthand, I underestimated it in the beginning and I've had to back off certain roles because of doing that. So really important point out there, educate yourself on whatever it is you're getting into, look at the pros and cons, look at the time you're going to spend and look at the experience you'd gain by working with a Unicia or an Andrew in their area of expertise versus the DIY approach, which is can be painful and lessons learned. Ask me how I know. So, hey, this has been awesome. I could say the same thing for people that love to do the do-it-yourself DIY approach. God bless them. My only guidance to them is once you do it and you feel that perhaps you should have asked for guidance, come back when that notion peaks its head first. Don't wait until you're closer to retirement because then it's too hard to undo certain things. That's my guidance to folks that are out there trying to just do it on their own. Don't. It will cost you more in the long run, almost guaranteed. That's great advice to land on here. So this has been an awesome show. We've unpacked so much value here in the last 20 minutes. For those who want to learn more about you and your and your firm, how do we get in touch with you? The easiest way is to go to www.empoweredfinancialplanner.com or to look us up on social media. We're pretty active. You can just look us up under either Empowered Financial Planner or even easier, just Unicia Pratt. I'm just about everywhere. So there you go, all over. To hear from you. Let us know that you heard about us on Andrew's show. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining Unicia. It was a pleasure having you. Pleasure being here, Andrew. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come. 